Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy and Kurt Levins. Hey, Kurt. Hey, hello, Bruce. hello. Hey, gents. Well, uh, this is, we're going to, we're having some fun here. We got all three of us tonight. And it's, uh, th- that makes me happy. I listened to your guys' podcast, uh, two podcasts last weekend. I thought they were fantastic. Just reminds me why people love the Cult of Hockey podcast. It's just like old-timey fans uh, pretending they know something and uh, spouting (laughs) off. (laughs) So here we go tonight. Um, This is our three good things, three bad things, and three numbers podcast about the Oilers' 4 nothing loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kurt, let's start it off with you. What was your good thing tonight? Um, my good thing tonight was the third period swap that Dave Tippett made um, with Ethan Bear and Tyson Berry. Uh, I think Tyson Berry is a very good addition to this team. I think he really helps transporting the puck. I think he's generally really good on the power play. I said when they signed him that he was not a first pairing defender. And I think you saw tonight against a high caliber team like the Maple Leafs that he's not a first pairing defender. Um, I think he's best on a third pairing where you can benefit from his puck moving skills, but you are not on the hook for his defensive misgivings. Uh, and once Ethan Bear gets up to speed, and I thought he was a little bit better tonight than he was the night before, I think you go back to that Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear pairing that we saw so good last year. Uh, so the fact that we saw that in the third period, I think, is a harbinger of things to come. I think you're putting both players, Ethan Bear and um, Tyson Berry, in roles where they're far more likely to succeed. Uh, so in, in a game where, honestly, I didn't think the Oilers were that bad. I thought the Maple Leafs played, played really good. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, I just thought the Leafs' top two lines outplayed the Oilers' top two lines. And I thought that was kind of the, the headline of the game. Uh, but that's the one thing I saw that said, you know what, I think that's more like the, the what the first and third pairings on this club should look like. And so that was my good thing. I haven't minded, actually, Barry, on the top pairing. Like, initially, I thought he struggled quite a bit, but I thought in recent games, he's played pretty well uh, in that top pairing, and I was starting to kind of kind of like him there. But there, there always does seem to be, if I'm completely honest, one or two kind of brain farts per game that that lead to pretty like the highest kind of danger chances against. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this game, guys, was what a stifling hockey game. I mean, we mm-hmm. remember they talked about the first game, the first Leafs-Oilers game was was said to be kind of a dead puck game, but I thought this was much more, much more of that. And uh, Toronto just absolutely throttled the Oilers defensively. Mm-hmm. That was a stifling defensive performance by the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was the best they've looked against the the Oilers, and that was a very sobering game. Bruce, what's your good thing? Especially when you consider that they were missing their marquee player and their number one goalie. But they skunked the Oilers 4-0 on their own ice. Yeah, yuck. Um, Tremendous checking job by Toronto. I thought the the Oilers couldn't... They had guys backtracking on them and double-teaming them all night. for a good thing, I'm going to pick uh, one of the Oilers' depth lines, the Adams line of uh, of um, uh, Gaetan Haas with um, uh, Patrick Russell and Alex Chason, 39, 52, 91, 
three right-hand shots, kind of an oddball line, but they uh, they played well. They controlled play. They uh, uh, they really dominated possession to the tune of 14 to three in shot attempts while Chason was on the ice. <clears throat> and while I grant you that this is was not a game where possession meant a whole lot, I would submit that the bottom two lines actually did their job of the game, which is hold their part of the game even and give the Agreed. big lines a chance to win it, which they didn't. In fact, they rather decisively lost it. But um, that line, uh, you know, they played physical chase on. I mean, there was one one good play where chase on won a big battle in the corner and he came out, won the puck again and made a little sort of four-foot pass to uh, Haas for a chance right in close to the net. And, you know, and they worked hard and they and they got the little bits of space here and there by working hard. And they they weren't the problem. That's about as good a thing as I'm going to say tonight. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, I thought Tata. Go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, Go I was going to say I thought I thought Chason was was particularly effective. I thought he played uh, with abrasiveness, was really strong yeah. along the walls. Uh, and what more do you want from your third slash fourth line? Yeah, Haas had a chance in the third. Again, uh, Jones put in a hard shot, and I think Haas got the rebound on net. So um, there wasn't a lot in the way of chances for the Oilers tonight, really good chances, but uh, that line got their share of them. Uh, I guess it's time for my good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I like the bottom two lines on the Oilers now. I think they've they finally got, they have two functional bottom lines, which is first time in a long time for them, the Oilers. You know, I've long been complaining about the Oilers' top two lines, and and I think that there's all kinds of great players up there, but honestly, I don't think there's been great chemistry on either of the top lines all year long. If I'm completely honest, I just don't like they, they. Neither of the top lines have been, I think, consistently better than the sum of their parts, because those parts are really, really good. Uh, but I do my good thing is Dave Tippett's adjustment in the third period, where he went, he just changed the centers around, and he put Drysaddle with uh, Nugent Hopkins and Puglia Yarvi and uh, McDavid with Yamamoto and Cahoon. McDavid can essentially uh, play pretty much with anyone and have great success himself. I like him with Cahoon, though, and Yamamoto. I think that they're going to be, if they stick with that, and I don't know if they're going to at all stick with that, I think those could be very strong complementary players for McDavid. Neither of them needs the puck. Neither of them has the puck on their stick very much, and that's exactly the right kind of player you want to play with Connor McDavid. Um but when they do get the puck on their stick, they make good plays with it. That compounds the fact that they're good players to play with Connor McDavid. So I actually think that they fit better with McDavid than they fit with Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, all year long, has been having a difficult time getting grade-A shots at net off at even strength. It's taken away one of the biggest assets for the Edmonton Oilers is that guy's shot. And Nugent Hopkins is last year showed the perfect guy to start setting him up. Dreisaitl is also a really good guy to set up Pugliarvi, and we saw that tonight, um, a pass that Pugliarvi one-timed on net. I don't think we've seen a lot of one-time shots from Pugliarvi um, this year with McDavid because it's, that's not really McDavid's as much his game as it is Dreisaitl's game to look for that kind of pass uh, consistently. So I actually think those two lines have a lot of promise, and uh, I hope to see them next game because I don't think there's been, again, the chemistry has been lacking. I want to see some lines that are better than those players are individually that really kind of take them all to a, to another level. Thoughts? I anticipate they'll go, uh, Tippett will go back to his regular lines next game because yeah. that's his MO. 
and he'll his rationale will be, well, geez, these guys just won five games in a row, and you know, eleven out of the last fourteen now, uh, and they had an off game, and I did try to shake them up a little bit in the third period, but I'm going to go right back to what we're familiar with. That's what I'm guessing that he will do, but he may pull the trigger a little bit quicker if they're uh, uh, if they're struggling again. I tend to agree with Bruce. I think a factor that you guys haven't mentioned yet, but you're probably thinking of, is is we're we're seeing a Leon Drysdale that's not close to 100% right now. Yeah. Uh, and I and I and I suspect it is something upper body, not lower body, because mm-hmm. the one thing we haven't seen for Leon Drysdale the last half dozen games that we're used to is that shot. And I think there's a reason why we're not seeing that shot. And, and, and I suspect that's why he's been out of practice the last three or four sessions. By upper body, you think wrist, hand, something like that? Or, or shoulder, something like that. Yeah, uh, something associated with shooting the puck as opposed to moving around. And as we saw with, with Oscar Clefbaum, just because you have an upper body injury, that doesn't mean it affects the way you get around the ice. So, Haven't we seen him get off the one-timer on the power play, though? Like, it has, I would... I will concur, Kurt, that it hasn't. We ha- he he has taken some one-timer shots on the power play, but I will concur that they haven't been as lethal as we have seen. Like he hasn't lashed, you know, when he lashes that puck at the net, and yeah, maybe maybe that there's there's something to that. In any case, I, I you know put him with Nuge and um, anyway, enough on that. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the bad things. Uh, we'll start with uh, Bruce. Bruce, back okay. Here. Uh, I'm going to point the finger at Mike Smith. I've said nice things about him in a number of his recent games and named him my good thing a number of times. I did not think he was good tonight. I didn't think he was steady. didn't think he was tracking the puck well at all. Didn't know where it was. And when it was shot to him, he wasn't controlling his rebounds. They were dribbling through. He got lucky more than a couple times on rebounds that went through and out and just missed the post. Or there was a quick whistle because he didn't know where the puck was and the ref didn't either. In fact, the refs didn't seem to have a very good idea of a lot of what was going on out there tonight, but that's a different bad thing. And I just thought he was off his game and and maybe they, that, uh, you know, now that he's played eight out of ten, that maybe T- Tippett's ridden, ridden that horse as hard as he needs to and he needs to go back to his other guy who in the two games out of the last ten that he started – posted 950 and 977 save percentages. So maybe it's time to show him a little bit of love as opposed to... Uh, I do think Tippett likes how Smith organizes the team and his puck handling. I think he values that. And But tonight he just didn't have it. And he, was, uh, he wasn't square to the shooter, that power play goal. There was kind of some garbage going on at the edge of the crease. Thornton knocked Archibald down and into the blue paint. And Smith couldn't quite... Uh, get his bearings, but he dropped his stick and he left this funky hole under his ribs. And of course, that's exactly where Buddy put the shot and into the net. But uh, I just, I just didn't think he was tracking. And that, that's he was, he was late. He was, he wasn't sure where the puck was. A couple times, I said to my wife, he has no idea where the puck is. And then the very next shot would come in, and he just <laughs> hit him and shrug it off so it's not even so much the four goals on 29 shots it's just the overall um state of his game which has been very very good up until now but tonight it wasn't yeah the spezza goal uh was a hell of a move by jason spezza it was it was nonetheless 
on that play, the goalie takes the shooter, right? And he, he the shooter just deked out the goalie completely. So, um, he, you know, that he, I don't blame Smith on that, but it, he, he looked really awkward on that goal against. Kurt, what's your bad thing? I kind of have two things, but I'll lead with Patrick Russell and not for the reasons that you might think, because I agree with Bruce that I thought that line was pretty decent. But in a game like this where you're the team that's chasing, he does you next to no good. And I don't mean a dis- disrespect to the player, but the last guy in this roster who I expect to score a goal right now is Patrick Russell. Uh, and and I think if you can't play a two-way game in the NHL these days, I think you have to swallow hard and ask yourself why he's in the lineup. He's think he's a good soldier who practices really hard. And I, I tweeted the day before yesterday, there was five overnight thoughts, and one of them was, don't fall in love with role players. And who I was really talking about was Patrick Russell. And I suspected Dave Tippett would put him in on back-to-back games. And I think that was a mistake. A mistake that cost them the game? No. But when you're chasing a game, what good does Patrick Russell do you? Um, By the way, I also thought they missed Evan Bouchard's uh, uh, puck moving on the back end tonight. Uh, So I could have easily picked that. But I'll go with the Patrick Russell thing because I thought there was a tactical error in putting together the lineup tonight. Why uh, Nygaard or somebody else uh, was not in that place is a bit of a mystery to me. Two sides of the same coin, really, taking Bouchard out and putting Russell back in after they you know, after they had the, the shutout win on, on went, uh, Thursday night. They, in both cases, he went for the safer player, the two Russells, right? Mm-hmm. Russell, uh, uh, Chris Russell and Patrick Russell, Russell and Russell. Over players. And that's what veteran coaches do, right? They they go for the safe choice. They go what they go for what they know. Over players who are more dynamic offensively, Evan Bouchard and and Joachim Nigard. James Neal was not ready. Is that it? Was that the the case? Yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard he practiced again today and skated hard, but isn't quite quite up to speed yet after being sick. So yeah, and you know what? They paid the price, Kurt, because. Um, for, for those choices, those conservative choices, the Oilers had nothing going. This is their weakest offensive performance of the year by far. It was yeah. their weak, and, and it's partly on the coach. He picked yeah. a defensive lineup as opposed to one that would, was more dynamic on the attack. It would have been nice to see Evan Bouchard bomb in a few pucks from the point, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Or Yoki Yeah, Bouchard absolutely. Possibly get in there. And, you know, why doesn't he get in there? He's a better player than Patrick Russell. Yoki Degard's yes, a better he player. Is. And yeah. so... Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it either. Orders uh, had orders had two games early in the year, both against Montreal, where they scored one goal in each case late in the third period when they were out of it, both in Edmonton. And that was games numbers three and four. And since then, they've scored at least two goals in every game, uh, eighteen games in a row. But tonight, the you know, the zero was fairly well deserved, really. You know, I I can't say that Jack Campbell made any number of truly tremendous goal-robbing saves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm all for good defending, but you can't win a game nothing-nothing. Well, I don't know. This is Gary Bettman's NHL. It's actually possible. <laughs> 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 all righty. My bad thing. Um, I, I, I often pick on Leon Settle if he has defensive lapses. So it's only just that I now pick on Connor McDavid. I think Cassie Campbell cursed him because ever since she 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 picked out his defensive play, he's actually <laughs> been playing fairly poorly defensively. He's had his worst run of defensive play uh, since her comment. 
um, in a season when otherwise he's been playing well. But he, man, he played it. He made a couple really bad defensive gaffes tonight. I thought, and uh, we'll go to the uh, second goal where uh, the, the the Leafs are breaking up the ice, and he's on the back check presumably, but his feet aren't moving. And in the end, he takes the wrong guy. Like if you just recognized the the shooter coming in, and and got on that guy instead of kind of coasting in behind the other guy, there might not have been a goal there. So that's the kind of head on a swivel back checking that he you know if he wants to be the great two way player that we know that he wants to be and is working towards. I have seen tremendous effort from Connor McDavid this year to improve himself on defense. You can see. He's looking around. He's he's much smarter defensive player, but that play was like you know the old McDavid a little bit, and he's had defensive lapses in the past, and that was certainly one of them. We saw another one on the fourth goal, Toronto's fourth goal, where his defensive McDavid's defensive play there was frankly and just a little bit embarrassing, as was Darnell Nurse's. Darnell Nurse just got beat out of the corner by Hyman on that goal, and. Um, maybe you could just say, well, Hyman got better position and he was nurse wasn't expecting that. Like maybe Hyman just got good leverage on him and, and whipped around him, but just nurse just was on the wrong side of him. Seemed to take the wrong angle. It would look like he was going to take a holding penalty and got beat by Hyman. And then McDavid kind of swoops over there and gets deep by Hyman. And it was like Carter McDavid, could have given him a Matthew Kachuk on Zach Cassian body check on that play because Hyman's coming out of the corner. McDavid could have leveled him, but instead he went for the stick check, the strip of the puck, and Hyman gets a clear shot on net, which he pounds in. So uh, th- that wasn't a very good moment for Connor McDavid in his own end in, in a season where he has been much better. Yeah, we actually tagged him on three goals against uh, the third being the turnover on the uh, on the Spezza goal, where he was coming over the line on a three on two and he tried to sift the pass through to uh, uh, to the far wing uh, to Pugliarvi, it must have been, and he hit Nugent Hopkins skate coming up the middle. And the Toronto defenseman Brody made a great play to dive and just chip it out. And all of a sudden that was a jailbreak the other way. Tyson Berry. Oh, it was Nurse on the far wing that was joining the rush. So he was up by yeah. Then yep. Tyson Berry uh, came off the bench and he tried to jump into the rush just as the play was turning over. He got caught out in the middle of nowhere. And it was poor Josh Archibald who was left back trying to defend the <laughs> two-on-one. He actually did his job. He cut out the pass from Spezza uh, to, to the other winger. But Spezza basically beat Smith on his own. And that was that. Was that. But it was... A little unlucky for McDavid on that one, but it was a, just a tough night for number 97. That he was only involved in two scoring chances for the Oilers and four for Toronto, and three of the four went in the net. Yeah, and ended up minus three on the night, right? Yeah, sure did. Yeah. Ow. Ow. Him and Darnell both were minus three. Oh. Yeah, Darnell's not his best game either. Uh, let's no, go with in a season where he's been really good, right? So, is, yeah, yes. but he that was. Darnell Nurse, 2017-18, <laughs> that was what we saw tonight, was with some iffy decisions. All right, let's go to the numbers. Kurt, let's start with your number. Ten. Josh Archibald. Ten hits tonight. Led mm. both clubs. Um, I, when uh, Bruce McCurdy did his last uh, ten-game segment, uh, I think he made a point that at no point in that ten-game segment did Josh uh, Archibald uh, register less than a five mm. in the player grades uh, mm. done by all three of us. 
Uh, and I would say there hasn't been a game this year where he's performed below a five, including tonight, where I, I thought that line was pretty good. And Archibald mm-hmm. always gives you everything he has, plays like a big man, even though he's not a big man. And I know I watched his dad play junior, and his dad was a mean SOB and really tough to play against. And uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so uh, on, a, on, a, on a night where you would have liked to see more life out of the Oilers, I thought we got life out of number 15. So those 10 hits is my is my number. I, uh, I I was wondering, like, he just, there was one shift where he just absolutely plastered a couple of Leafs. I think it was in the third period. And I was thinking, how can his body take that? Yeah. And I was thinking, right. like, yeah. how is he built? He must just be all muscle. He's just one of these, like, one of these super his, wiry. His forearms are like this. Oh, that wow. must be it. Like, he just must be a ball of muscle. Because he does seem to be able to, to take the physical, physical punishment of doling out those hits. Because uh, because there is someone throwing that kind of hit, but he just keeps going. He's he's really been good this year. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of him last year, if I'm completely honest. Um, I didn't know how effective he was as a two way player. I could see he was effective as a as a hitter and an energy player, but he's just he's impressed me this year. And and I heard um, I, I've been calling that line the nitty gritty dirt line, but I've heard uh, I think a probably a better nickname. So I'll put it up to a fan vote, but if someone's calling it the Sweet Caroline. And uh, I kind of like that. Mm. Well, Archibald, he's he's the toughest right wing number fifteen for the Oilers since Kurt Brockenberry. <laughs> the similar... There's a great name. <laughs> 1981 or so. Man, that guy took no prisoners. Yeah, I kind of don't mind the nitty gritty dirt line. It, it kind of beats uh, fishing in the dark, uh, which is, was what the Oilers were doing a lot tonight. So. Um, Bruce, what's your number? My number is four. That's the number of goals that Toronto Maple Leafs scored tonight. It was also the number of goals that Darnell Nurse was on the ice for against tonight. You guys talked about it a little bit a minute ago, but uh, Darnell did have a, a pretty rough night. He was he it wasn't for lack of trying, man. He played his ass off in terms of his effort. He had 13 shot attempts, seven shots. Nothing particularly dangerous. Too many of them were coming from the point. Nobody was tipping them. Nobody was getting in the shooting lane. So it wasn't really working. But it wasn't that he wasn't working, but it wasn't working out for Darnell, to say the least. And he had a real tough time in the first period, two in a row, where Mitch Marner uh, went at him one-on-one. Both times Darnell dropped to one knee, and both times Marner made him look absolutely silly. Uh, walking around him or going around the net to pass the puck to Nylander on the first goal and then just shifting to the outside and shooting the puck right right past, right through Darnell's shooting lane because he blocked himself to the ice instead of being able to move mm-hmm. with the shooter. Yeah. Uh, on the third goal, he joined the rush and it went the other way. Nothing to do with him on that one. But the fourth one, again, as you say, he had the guy in the corner. He kind of had a hold of him, thought, I might take a penalty. Well, I would have been shocked if the refs, you know, they weren't calling anything. But they, uh, uh, he came out of the, he, he let the guy go, and then McDavid skated by, and uh, uh, and then Hyman made, you know, a pretty good shot from a bad angle that that uh, fouled the top corner. But it just was a, for a guy that's, you know, been on a, a, a very important pairing for the Oilers that's been outscoring other teams every game. Uh, minus three plus a, a minus in the 24 seconds of unsuccessful penalty killing the Oilers did tonight, all added up to a very tough night for Doctor Two Five. You know, when a big guy like Darnell uh, uh, 
leaves his feet, he's taking away one of his biggest advantages. Yep. Uh, and he, he needs to stay in his feet. That's where, that's where he's the most effective. 100%. Or if he goes down, make the play. <laughs> One or the yeah, other. Well, yeah. that'll be good. Yeah. That's yeah. what they teach defensemen is if you're going to go down, you better be damn sure that you're going to do what you're trying to accomplish, right? So. Block that shot, man. Like, block that shot. Yeah. Uh, we need a little bit more Garrett Hall on our team tonight. I, I thought the, he, he was kind of the define the Leafs. That guy's a gritty uh, defenseman. And he's got the best mullet I've seen since the 1980s. I think. He's... <laughs> Just, Justin Hall? Or Justin Hall, is Justin that what Hall. it is? It's Garrett Hall is a, like an analytics guy. Yeah, he? he's on the, he's on Twitter. Justin Hall, thanks, Bruce. Yeah, yeah he he's a good defenseman. Uh, okay, my number is three. Uh, I'll start this out by saying the Oilers. I I didn't. I went over the scoring chances for the Oilers again, Bruce. I didn't count one five alarm chance for the Oilers all game long. Not one great chance, all game long. And the closest with pro- was probably Josh Archibald's dry settle shot deflects off the crossbar and Archibald mm-hmm. in the slot lunges at it. But he, it wasn't a hard save for the goalie because he was already there and he was in right. position. So even that really wasn't a, it was a pretty good chance, but arguably not one really, really great scoring chance all game long. And that's why I say it was the worst uh, offensive performance for the Oilers quite easily mm-hmm. this year. There's always been chances for them to score. They had, they had, Almost nothing except, except my number is three. There were three times in the first period when they were in the position to get a five alarm chance. And three times, Oilers forwards missed the net on their shots. Mm. Chase on, McDavid, and Ennis. And Ennis, yeah. And you cannot, thought- you can't have that. Like you, 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 and it's so strange with McDavid, right? It's like it's it's only happened once before that I can remember earlier, and that was earlier this year. Mm. It was so it was so it's so strange to see him miss the net with Chase on it and uh, Annis. It's more uh, you know they're normal human beings, so that's going to mm-hmm. happen. But you gotta you gotta hit the net, and this is why my last point on this. This is why we do not count missed shots as grade A scoring chances, because it is a huge letdown on the bench and for your team when someone gets in a position like that to drain it and they don't even hit the net. It's like ah. F and uh, <laughs> the whole bench says that it wants and they don't feel good. They're not feeling good. Mm-hmm. It takes away their energy. It takes away momentum. And that happened three times in the first period. They were the three best looks the orders had all game long. Yeah. And there you go. So With Ennis, I thought he should have, I thought he, I thought Ennis should have taken a wrist shot and a quick turnover like that. The quicker you get it on net, the better. And I thought that by the time he wound up, I thought the goaltender had a chance to come set. Yeah, you know, once this was a game that turned when they when the one penalty was called and Toronto scored right away on the power play. When the announcers barely had time to say Toronto was 0 for 12 in the last power plays and can't win any puck battles, and by then they'd won four or five puck battles and the puck was in the net. And then once they got the lead, it was a whole different game, and Toronto just mm. checked the crap out of Edmonton the whole rest of the way, and they were just yeah backtracking mm-hmm. like mad and, and checking like demons and they got the job done and credit where due the better team won this game and they won it handily i thought that call on russell was on the soft side when you watch the replay at no point did he actually grab him he was trying uh, to but, play the puck he was yeah, reaching around yeah. and he was trying to play the puck and he yeah. got caught and the oilers couldn't get a call although i would argue that they probably didn't play aggressively enough to earn a call tonight so. that's what dry said although i thought that one time dry himself yeah. got hit in the head may have been a penalty but apparently mm. not 
and pulled Yarby yeah. got dragged down on the headboards in the third period on a play very similar to the one that got called on Russell, but it's window dressing at that point. The game was done. Yeah, and there's a few icing calls on both sides that I thought were missed tonight, but it didn't seem to benefit one team over the other. So This was the first time, actually, in the four games that the Oilers have played the Leafs when I, that I thought the Oilers were the weaker team on the ice. I thought in every other game, Edmonton had played somewhat or quite a bit better than the Leafs. Not this game and not even close. I think the, the Leafs were were it, the better team. And that it was a it was good. This was a good wake up call for for the Oilers, you know, like this is this is the real deal. Here's a team that can really play some hockey. The Winnipeg Jets are a hell of a team too. So there's there's a there's a couple teams here uh, who are gonna present a real challenge to the Edmonton Oilers. So let's finish off, guys, with just one final thought. Uh, we're heading into two more games against the Leafs. What do you, what's your prescription uh, for the orders? What do, what do they need to happen? And we'll start with uh, Kurt. You're looking ready to go here. We'll start with yeah, you. Yeah. Well, I'll, well, I'll say first of all, uh, on not many nights will you see both the Drysaddle and McDavid lines outplayed, and Darnell Nurse being on the ice for four goals. Uh, that confluence of events will not happen very often, so I predict it won't happen in the next game. Um, I think uh, one of the things that Dave Tippett has to do is he has to insert uh, Evan Bouchard back on, on the point because I think you need more puck movers. Uh, it's uh, not that it was all on the defenseman tonight, but there weren't a lot of great outlet passes coming from that back end. Uh, Ethan Bear is just getting back into it again. Uh, I thought Chris Russell was just okay, but he's never a great puck mover, and I, I didn't think outside of one pass – that I can think of from Caleb Jones. I didn't think he moved the puck particularly well tonight either. That's what Evan Bouchard does. It's his strength and he's arguably as good or better than anybody else in the team doing it. Um, I wouldn't have him out of the lineup very damn often. So that's my prescription for game two of the three game set. You would take out who? Uh, well, it depends. Uh, you, you either uh, take out someone who's a right-handed shot or, or you take out someone on the left side and you have have probably Bouchard play the left side. For who? Putting you on the uh, spot well, here. Th- it, in, in, in this case, either Chris Russell or Caleb Jones. Okay. Bruce, what's your prescription? Nurse isn't coming out. Yeah. Uh, Koskinen starts. I'm going to go way out on a limb. Say Koskinen starts on <laughs> Monday. Your 38-year-old goalie is... Uh, Probably, I mean, Koskinen's had a good rest now after carrying the load for the first part of the season, and he's been watching for most of this last part. And it's time for for Smith to uh, uh, get a bit of a break. He deserves one. He's been playing well. I I don't want to dump on the guy too much, but tonight he showed that maybe he's at the end of the line of this hot streak, and uh, uh, he needs a bit of a break. I'd give him one next game, and then the game after that would be decided on how well Koskinen plays on... uh, on Monday, uh, uh, other prescriptions simple. Uh, Oilers need Connor McDavid to be way, way, way better than he was tonight, and I will fearlessly predict that he will be way, way, way better than he was tonight. Uh, he will take this one personally, and he'll take it hard, and we'll see a lot, lot better, uh, more complete performance from him. And I, I would suggest that both ends of the rink than we saw tonight. I'd like to see uh, Negard or James Neal go in for Patrick Russell on the fourth line. Uh, I'd like to see Evan Bouchard go in for Chris Russell. 
I think Caleb Jones actually, I thought he looked pretty good tonight and was was uh, starting to play with some swagger and some confidence out there and dangerous on the point shots. Probably the most dangerous Oilers defenseman inside the offensive end, like moving along the blue line and getting shots at net. So um, you need more offense. You, you've got you've to crank up your offensive play. Chris Russell should come out and Bouchard should go in. And um, the third thing, it, I, I would like to tip, tip it to stick with those line changes and um and to to experiment with that because um you know i just i, I think that um uh, the mcdavid line has been good all year but not great and uh, the dry saddle line has been trending downwards i would suggest and uh just let's see shake it up see if something else is going to work because what what happened that game wasn't even close and i know that they have been winning a lot of games but you know they haven't been dumb they, they, they haven't they've won a lot of close games recently and um, some games where they've been outchanced. There was a game against, uh, I think it was the Flames, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the one of the games they were outchanced and they won. So, um, yeah, shake it up a little bit more and and go with the offense. Let's let's see if we can get on these Maple Leafs um, in their own zone and break up the ice faster uh, and more smartly. The one really great. There was one great offensive thrust where Darnell Nurse hit Connor McDavid on the fly, and McDavid burst in and got a good backhand shot. You know, it wasn't a, no. and and that's the kind of breakout that we didn't see the rest of the night, yeah. uh, from the Edmonton Oilers. So you they they've got to get faster back there in the back end, and and um, so that's that's why Bouchard in for Russell. Alrighty, any uh, final thoughts on t- kind of a ho hum? game to talk about it but any <laughs> anything you any, either would like to add bruce tough one for the first three-man post-game <laughs> podcast for we don't have a whole lot to celebrate tonight that was a, that was Not a fun. very frustrating game to watch and probably to play yeah the team looked frustrated i saw bench doors being slammed and sticks being hammered and stuff along the bench and they were just uh uh, they they were frustrated and hopefully they turn that frustration to good, you know, and, and use it as a motivator to be ready for the next game. Yeah, I'd agree with Bruce. I saw a lot of that frustration too, and I and I I agreed with 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 the source of most of it as well. Um, but boy, this this team is coming off one terrific run, and oh, yeah. and one game does not make a season, and so we're we're all allowed to be disappointed with the game tonight. I think the players probably are too, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll begin to worry if I see the same thing next game out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's face it, we're all sitting there thinking, oh, you can't win them all, right? As we're watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, I'd like to thank you, Kurt, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you many more times here on the uh, Cult of Hockey podcast. I'm always happy to be the third wheel for you, fellas. Thank you, Bruce. All right. Thanks for being here, Kurt and Dave, and thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.